You want to just have a clear focus on this is my main thing and this is how I'm going to lead people into it. Well, this is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 14. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. This week in the Response Suite office, we have had no cake. Lack of cake. It's been plumbing terrible. I think I'm going to protest about it. With <laughs> I know. It's boards. because, just to explain, dear Lister, that's because for the last few weeks, there's been some kind of birthday or important celebration in the, in the office. We've had birthdays and people getting moving to their first houses and all kinds of shenanigans like that. And this week, there's been none of that. So they've been, if we're sounding a little bit downbeat, it's because of the lack of sponge. Terrible, terrible cake-free environment. Cake. However, we are pushing on. We are moving right along. First world problems. <laughs> very much so, very much so. This week, we had a good chat with Dean Holland, who is a rather smashing chap when he talks about funnels. Yeah, so Dean has spent the last couple of years really kind of perfecting what funnels should consist of, what a sales funnel should look like. He's kind of perfect blueprint for it with lots of tweaking and testing and just trying different things. The big thing with like funnels is that everybody's got their own sort of system. Like if you look, Ryan Dice has a few funnels he teaches and then Russell Brunson teaches his funnels. Like basically, everybody's got their own funnel and they talk about it and they teach it. And I think it's always interesting to get new perspectives on those because you can always get, it's quite easy to get like locked into that person's funnels. I know this week, We've actually been sort of expanding our funnel and looking at what that's going to look like and how we can improve that. And loads of great ideas right inside of Dean's episode here. So now the funnel start. Oh, see oh. what you did there? Yeah, that's good. That's a joke. We'll, we'll use that. The jokes are free. Grace, can you put in some laughter at that point? No? Right, okay. Like a terrible sitcom. Like a terrible episode <laughs> of Friends. So there you go. Uh, let's get into and find out what Dean chatted about. So, Dean, man, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm amazing. Great to be here, mate. Very happy to have you here. Uh, and you're going to be talking about funnels and things. So now the funnel start. Hey, uh, you spent years and years and years refining and tweaking your kind of what you call the ultimate funnel process. So can you start by just giving us a quick overview of what that actually is? What, what does that even mean? Yes. So uh, for us as a business, I suppose it's the same for every business, but we, we started off with one particular type of funnel and that was a funnel to be able to acquire customers um so ultimately just to kind of give the the high level like as as a lot of people i'm sure will know there's really three ways to grow a business one is get more customers one is to sell more to the customers at the point of sale and one is to bring those customers back for repeat customer purchases and so when you look at those three areas what we've created as an ultimate funnel, I guess, is three separate funnels that combine together to give the ultimate funnel. So one is to acquire the customers, um, and then one is to ascend those customers at the point of purchase immediately to the next thing that you want to sell them. And then another funnel is to kind of bring those people back and ascend them to your, your premium, most expensive, most valuable stuff. That seems to make sense. I mean, and you put that into, and is that all kind of built into one campaign or was that a bit more complex than that? It is, it is built into one campaign, but it's kind of like a, a real, well, I, I try and simplify things now, but initially it was a complex campaign. So uh, I don't know how, it depends how deep you want me to go into this stuff. I mean, do you want to know the specifics of what each of those funnels are? Do you want me to go into that? Well, let's say, for example, that someone has like already got a couple of products that they yeah. sell already, um, but there's not really much of a funnel behind it. What are sort of the first actionable steps that it could take to start building one out? 
Okay. Yeah. Good question. So, um, <clears throat> before anything else can be sold, like obviously the, the first sort of funnel I, I would be looking at is how do I acquire customers into my business? So if somebody has already got, uh, some products, then sort of the main customer acquisition funnel that we use in my business is like what we call a free plus shipping funnel. So we would actually, if somebody's got a few products already, the first thing that I would do is take one of those products and use it as the front end offer. And then our sort of typical setup is that we then have sort of two or three immediate upsells that get shown to those customers. So that's where I'd kind of start is building my customer acquisition funnel in that kind of way. You're a big fan of the free plus shipping thing. So let's assume that somebody takes one of their products and it might be an ebook or a video course or whatever, and they stick it on something they can send through the post. So a CD, I know you've used a USB stick, you've used a book as well. Um, let's imagine they've got their other products. Maybe they, they don't know whether that's going to fit very well as an upsell or a downsell. Do you have like a strategy for deciding what should be upsells, downsells, cross-sells, bag-sells, round-sells, whatever, for your products? Yes. Um, to a degree, I won't say this is like a science behind it. I can tell you what doesn't work. Um, so if you are a digital product business, for example, like we predominantly are, I always look, my kind of process is what is the next logical thing? You know, so what is, what is the next thing? So for example, if I've sold a course that is about, or, you know, a front end product that is a bit marketing, you know, how to promote products, for example, then the next possible thing they might, well, if you're going to follow this or promote products, you're going to need to know how to do advertising. I might have some kind of traffic and then I could think beyond there, I could say, okay, well, what, what other might arise as they're doing this, you know, offer that next thing. And just, just to go into that, one thing I just said there is like, what, what next problem arises? And I think that, that would probably be the best way to put this. So it would be universal for probably a lot of people listening is like, any time I offer something, I have this belief that when you solve one, Problem, you create another one and and hopefully that that next problem's been created because somebody's followed or utilized what it is they bought from you they've got the result that that product delivers but in doing so it's opened up another problem so that that's kind of how i view it is okay what if somebody follows my course or uses my product they're going to get this type that result x result but in getting that result what next problem become that i can then fix and solve and that's what I always look at things, whether that's a front-end offer, a back-end offers, cross-sells, upsells, any of that kind of stuff is what next problem have I created by, pro by solving that first issue that my product fixed, if that makes any kind of sense. That makes really good sense. I think to really come, up, come at it with that sort of idea of what are the problems that are being created as you go is, is, is a really interesting way around of thinking about it rather than thinking about it, well, what do I need to sell them next? I think there's other people who will think about it as, well, okay, so they've bought this product, that's going to solve that problem. What other problems might they already have rather than thinking, okay, great, well, once they've become successful with that thing I'm going to help them with, that's going to take them to another level and open up other holes elsewhere. That's a really smart way of thinking about um, it. Which sort of other ways have you, what sort of other things have you sort of implemented to maximize the profitability per visitor in one of your funnels? Oh, good question. Um, oh, interesting question. So uh, I tell you one big thing that, that made a big difference. Mm. Um, and it's pretty common now, actually, for a lot of funnels I see, but we didn't do it for a long time. And that's uh, what would be commonly called, I guess, the order form bump, um, which in case anyone's not familiar with that term, like when you go to an order form to purchase a product, you would typically see this small little box 
um, maybe with a little arrow next to it and a little checkbox. So it might say something like, you know, would you like to add this to your purchase for $27, tick this box. So it would be something that has just a very small piece of copy because you very small, finite to actually sell that offer. But it's just like an additional offer that can be added at the point of sale where they tick a box and it adds that onto their purchase. That made a big difference to the, to the um, cart value of a, of a new customer for us. And Dean, um, that kind of product there, is it the kind of thing which is sort of a self-explanatory product? Because you don't have a great deal of space, do you, at that point to sort of say, oh, and this is the benefit of it all. How are you found in terms of what that kind of product should be? Yeah, great question. It does need to be something that's very quick and very easy to explain. Typically pretty low priced as well, because again, you've not got a lot of space to sell it. So we're not talking about saying, oh, just tick this and spend another thousand dollars. We're talking about something, you know, that's, that's fairly low priced. It's kind of the, it's kind of like you stood at the checkout in the supermarket and you grab the, the chewing gum or the candy or the chocolate bar. Yeah. It's like an impulsive, quick, easy to explain thing. Doesn't cost a lot of money, therefore doesn't require a lot of thinking. It needs to be low risk, low price, but something punchy and snappy that can be explained in maybe one paragraph of text. So you've got like five lines of text. So quick, easy to explain, low risk and impulsive buy. I think it's really great, and something anyone can just plug onto any product they've got that sits as a front end is just take a bump, take one product that might always be their bump offer, and just stick it on there. That's really cool. Uh, you talked about kind of keeping the price low, really impulsive sort of buy. Is there a sort of a process or a structure for pricing your products across the rest of the funnel? So, is there a particular sort of percentage increase between upsells? How do you get from the the, the price of a front end, which might just be the cost of the shipping, up to your next product and the product after that? Yeah, it's another good question. I'd love to. Uh, I've been asked this sort of question before, and I always try and think like there has to be a scientific way to, to, to that we actually do figure this stuff out. But in all honesty, like there really isn't a massive process that we go through in terms of pricing our products. Um, I generally look at it as what do I feel this product is worth in terms of the value it gives, and what are what comparable things are there out in the marketplace. Um, that, that I can gauge against that will give me a kind of an approximate idea. I mean, we, you know, we operate in a space where thankfully the information we offer holds a very high value uh, compared to some marketplaces because if somebody uses a product that helps them grow a business, then the, then the return on that product can be huge. Um, so in terms of like how I price it, I mean, just to give an idea of one of our funnels, I mean, it's like a book. You just cover the shipping. It's like $10. And then we have a couple of upsells. One is, sorry, three upsells. One is uh, $97. One is $297. And one is just seven. So it's kind of all over the place. Um, but really, rather than the specific price, just so you know kind of what we do is I will test. Like I, w- I will, what I'm looking to do is how can I get that average customer value, the average cart value to the highest possible. And what is the best pricing structure that's going to work right now? It's been the $97 upsell and the 297 upsell with a two part downsell on that $300 upsell. That's what's been working the best for us so far, but you just don't know until you test. Really? Okay. That's really, really interesting. So what are the sort of processes that you have? You mentioned the downsell there. What processes do you have in place to actually catch the people who don't take the upsell offer? And how do you actually implement that and make that happen? Yeah, good one. I mean, we, we do things to, I know a lot of people, they say, well, if they don't take the upsells, then you can sort of follow up with those specifically to get them to take the upsell. I don't actually do that. Um, 
I like to keep my upsells as true one-time offers. And we actually tell people that like, this really is your only chance to get this product. You won't see it again. We're not going to come to you. We're not going to give you a discount or any of that kind of stuff. This really is it. Um, and I think that's probably a contributing factor to the, the, the higher uptake percentage we get on those upsells. Um, and sometimes people don't believe us and we do have people coming back and saying, Oh, I didn't believe you. I thought it would just be like a marketing, marketing gimmick. But, um, for us, that's the, just the decision that we've made as a business. We want to keep our upsells as true one-time offers that are never seen again. Um, now in the past, if people say, well, you know, I kind of would like to reoffer them, then we would just do a simple case of if people didn't order it, we would give them like a, a second chance option to do that um, via email. So we would perhaps say, okay, you got 40, you didn't take this offer. We're going to give you 48 hours to change your mind on that. Here's your final chance offer to redeem this. Um, but as of right now for us as a business, we don't do that. We leave it as true one-time upsells. And, and you did mention that, of course, we've all uh, had that experience or somebody gets in touch with you and says, Oh, I closed the page. I didn't take the offer. Or I just thought it was a marketing scarcity urgency ploy. What's your policy? Do you turn them away and say, sorry, you know, because there's one, one camp would say, well, actually just take the money off them and satisfy the right. customer. Um, because obviously there's half of that, which is about satisfying the customer, making them feel good. The other part is about putting some extra cash in your bank. But there's the other part, other argument, which is actually what you're doing is you're training people that when you say final is final, that it's yeah. legit. Where do you sit on that? Yeah. Great, great question. I, I think, um, I think this is the thing. You've got to think long-term in your business. Now, to me, if you say this is your only offer, regardless of why somebody might say, oh, I didn't take it, I lost the page, I pressed the wrong button, regardless of what they might say, to me, there's, a, there's an element of integrity there. We did say this is the only time you would be able to take this offer. We did say we wouldn't offer it you again. So unfortunately, I'm sorry, but we stick by what we say. That would be my path. Because for me, as a business owner, our long-term profits come from the future purchasers, bringing those customers back and offering them additional products and services that we have. We don't make money on those initial first purchases, you know, because of the cost of advertising. We, we are fortunate if we can break even on those initial purchases. Yeah. So for us, the integrity and sticking by what we say is far more important than making a one-off $97 sale. And, you know, you are going to get some people that get annoyed at it because, People don't like to be told no. You know, nobody likes to be told no. Even, and you know, I think some people even take, you know, like even more rough because they're like, I'm trying to give you money. You, how can you turn me down? But long term, when you know, when people get over that, they would actually think it through. I believe and say, well, actually, that's that's actually a positive. They've stuck to what they've said, and I see that as a trust builder. If I'm honest, and even though they might be angry at first, I think long term the benefits would be uh, outweigh that. I think there's something in that as well. You know, if somebody says, uh, they say no at the first time around and then they get in touch and say, actually, I'd like to buy it now. And you come back and say no. Well, even if they're really annoyed at that, it's going to create, obviously, we know when, when you can't have something, you want it even more. So the next time they see a different offer, maybe it's your high ticket thing on a webinar. Uh, and again, there's more scarcity or urgency there. Then they're more likely to jump on it then because they, they want it there and then and they know they missed out on the last thing. And they know that the last time they said no to you, they regretted it. So that's going to create an increase in conversions on, on the sort of the next thing. Speaking of kind of an increase in conversions. I know you, you kind of test and tweak and change and try lots of things. What would you say is your favorite test that you've run in your funnel that has increased the conversion of something? So whether that's the, the uptake of the, the free plus shipping offer or uh, an increase to an opt-in, what, what, what would you say is your favorite thing you've tried? Ooh, um, 
see, I, I, I know I probably should, but I think a lot of people get wrapped up in, in lots of minute little tests. Um, you know, like what if we change the button color or what if we change where that headline is or what if we move the logo from left to right? And those things can absolutely make a difference. Don't mistake what I'm saying. Of course, all these small things can compound and make a big difference. But I know this might not be necessarily the answer you're looking for, but in all honesty, the best test that we do ever in all areas, whether it's front end, back end, upsells, cross sells, downsells, whatever, the best that we ever do that increases conversions is strengthen the offer. You can, you can make all the tiny changes you want and you might get a 1% raise here, a 0.5 there, a 3% there. You strengthen your offer and make the offer even better itself. In my experience, that's going to be any other change that you could possibly do. And so that's where I always start. If I'm not seeing the conversion I like, I'm not going to think page design. I'm not going to think all this kind of other stuff. Firstly, the first thing I'm going to think is let me make a better offer. Let me strengthen that, make it irresistible. And then if I'm still struggling, then I can start playing around with everything else. But always strengthen the offer first would be my advice. Here's a question to just dive in and be nosy. Obviously, I know that you've had at least two free plus shipping offers. Uh, the one that you've got now, and you had, which is a book, and you had the one before that that was a US, USB stick with some training on it. Do you run those side by side, or has the new one replaced the old one? Where does, how does that sort of work? Are you a fan of having multiple front end offers? Or I guess what I'm saying is, do you just have one place and you want all of your traffic to come into that? Yeah, good stuff. So we've actually got three free plus three free plus shipping offers. Easy to say. Um, that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Three uh, shipping. <laughs> so yeah, we've got three at the moment. Um, I would say I definitely put more, more of my attention on one. Um, but where, where we're kind of heading sort of long-term is no matter how many front ends we have, all paths are leading to one direction. Um, so we've sort of simplified the back end sales path in the business and we'll have the, the plan is that we have multiple front ends that appeal to different people within the same market. So it'll be a different hook leading to the same place. Mm. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're kind of actually looking at, um, which is interesting, obviously, given, the, given the, uh, the business you guys have created, we actually look at like front end offers sometimes as almost like, almost like a survey filtering kind of thing in that, you know, oh, let's have a, a list building front end. So if somebody tells us they want to learn more about list building, then we've got an offer for that. Oh, somebody wants to learn about, you know, traffic generation. Oh, great. Well, guess what? We've got an offer for that. Someone wants to learn about that. We've got an offer for that. Um, so we, that, that's kind of where we're looking is that we'll have all these different front end customer acquisition offers that bring people in with what they specifically need help with at that moment in time, but then lead them through to our back end sales process that takes them on a path that we've sort of built out. You know what, just talking to you now, it's easy to sort of conjure up in our minds that these, these funnels can be really complex, really big. Mm-hmm. And you did say right at the very top of this, this chat that you sort of like to now simplify things rather than making yes. them massive. I mean, what is a good funnel size? How, when is it finished? When is it ready to go? How many, how many upsells, downsells? Like, when is it, like, what does a finished funnel look like? Um, <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm not sure a funnel's ever finished. I mean, so I said at the start of this year, right, this is the year of simplicity for us because I've fallen into a trap over the years, multiple times of overcomplicating things. Yeah. And, um, 
I think one of the problems is sometimes is you try and be a, be a, a solution to all problems. And when you can solve a lot of problems, you sometimes think, well, I need to try and solve them all. But really, you're, you're, I've actually found you're doing people a disservice. If you try and solve everything all in one go or in one funnel, then things are going to go wrong. Like you're not simplifying and you're not giving people the defined solution they want. Um, so in terms of when is a funnel finished, I believe that every business should have their core offer. Like what is the actual main thing that you want to sell? Um, whether that's a software, whether that's a coaching, whether that's a consulting, whether it's a mastermind, you should have your one main thing that you truly want to sell and serve people with. Now, when you've got that main thing, you need to have a process to funnel people into it. And so this is, this is when, when you ask like, when's a funnel done? I would say you have to have your main core offer and then have a funnel process to lead people into it. Now, whether that process when you zoom into it closely under a microscope contains two different funnels, three different funnels, four different funnels, whatever it might be, you want to just have a clear focus on this is my main thing and this is how I'm going to lead people into it. And whatever it takes to do that needs to be as simplified as you possibly can because the more simpler it is, the more effective it will be. And so, yeah, I don't know if that's a bit of a messy answer. I think that's awesome. I think actually what that means is that what you've effectively got is you've got that core offer. Your entire business mission is just to pile as much stuff into that as you can. And what that actually means really is, it might mean anyway, combining several different funnels together to create a campaign. So rather than us just saying, okay, great, well, when is a funnel finished? But actually, truthfully, what you're really talking about is taking different funnels as different pieces of the jigsaw and putting them together to make an overall campaign that takes somebody from cool visitor to raving buyer of your core offer, which is really, really, really awesome. It's all heading in one direction, which is really, really cool as well. Yeah. Okay, we're now going to venture into what we call the quick fire round. Ooh, interesting. Hey, hey. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So here we go. Lots of short, sharp, easy questions. First one, a book that you recommend. Ooh, an individual single book. Ah, uh, oh, there's so many. Um, the E-Myth. Michael Gerber, great book. One of my absolute favorites. What would you say is your personal main top success habit? Something you maybe do daily or weekly? Ooh, ooh, ooh good question. Uh, I tell you what, I'll give a weird different answer. Drink a lot of water and hydrate. Excellent. Great. Who, do you, who do you look up to? Uh, oh my gosh. I will say Russell Brunson's been a big influence for me. Great. And what is your definition of success? Being a, having options, having Excellent. options. Okay. So like you can have tea or coffee. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Here's the big important question. Who do you like most, Rob or Kennedy? Ooh, as I've known you for too long, Rob, I'm going to go Kennedy. Yes! <laughs> it's the right answer. Everybody's known him for a long time. <laughs> Kennedy, it's the right answer. Finally, Dean, mate, where can folks go to find out more about you? Oh, jump on over to my blog, I guess, at deanholland.com. We just post daily videos Monday to Friday on there, just sharing all kinds of shenanigans and whatever's going on in life. Amazing. Love it. Absolutely. Dude, thank great. you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Cheers, dude. Yeah, thank you. 
So Dean is one of the first people who I've ever heard say that he doesn't really care about split testing things and trying different pages and stuff, which I think is really interesting to hear. He just sort of makes a thing and lets it run. and then It does make me wonder, you know, how many gurus actually talk about all this. Oh, you've got a split test. Well, you're supposed to do it, but how many people are actually doing it? Because it's very easy for people who are teaching like internet marketing and businessy stuff to have all these ideals. And it's also quite easy, I think, as the, as the viewer of those things or the student of those things to think that the gurus are doing all of this stuff perfectly. Truth is, we all drop the ball. We all make mistakes. We all go, holy moly, there's a massive hole in my business. Why haven't I been doing that? And I think it's just remember, no one's perfect. And also, you don't have to do all of the strategies. Dean's a really big reminder that there is so much stuff you could be doing. You don't have to do it all. You just have to do a couple of things and do them really well. Get them working and then, and then that's great. Yeah. And I've known Dean for a long time, since 2009. Mm-hmm. So I've seen inside his business. I've seen him grow from literally nothing. Yeah. Tens of thousands, he'll openly tell you, $60,000 in debt or pounds in debt, one of the two, um, to, to where he is now with a multiple million dollar business. That's and really it's, such an inspiring story. So I think, yeah, absolutely great. So by the way, if you were taking notes, there's no need to be. You can tell your notes because we had grace and the office take care of all the show notes for you you can find those over where exactly robert at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero one four in fact tell us what you thought about this episode either leave us a review on the itunes or drop us a tweet over at response suite we do read and reply to absolutely every comment and every tweet absolutely everything and we'd love to know what you learned from this or what you really enjoyed about it That's all. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Have a good one, folks. Don't miss a thing. thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.